Blog Talk Radio. Kids Music, this special Wednesday, 4 p.m. East Coast, 1 p.m. West Coast time. Hey, this is Ian Eisberg here in New York, along with Jay Logan in California. Good morning or good afternoon, Jay. How are you today? I'm doing great today, today Ian. It's a great, nice day out here on this Thanksgiving week, and uh, we're just thankful yeah, to the holidays. Yeah, the holidays. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you got your plans for Thanksgiving? Yes, yes. Eat, eat, and eat. That's a good idea. I mean, some people like me, I'm a vegetarian. I'm, like, always, just always every year, just interested in the vegetarian options for Thanksgiving. Not necessarily fake turkey, because I don't like fake stuff, but it's going to be a good holiday. What was that, Jay? Yeah, yeah, fake turkey is not good. Um, I never had that before, but is there such thing as... Like, there's, like, tofurkey, there's, like, these, all these, like, I've never been a fan of, like, fake food. Like, it's, like, if you're going to eat eat cake, you want real cake, not fake kosher for Passover cake. And, yes, I'm Jewish, and I've experienced this. Like, if you can't have, I mean, there's certain things where you can get rid of the traditional ingredients and make them well. Like you can actually have vegan ice cream that doesn't have any milk or cream or any dairy in it. And it tastes just like it does. Wow. I I, I, I agree with you on that. (laughs) Yeah, but it was some amazing things, but you know what? This is not parents, kids food. Although I'm sure that you eat, eat well, pretty much with your daughters. It's, Parents, Kids, Music, this is a weekly show where we talk about the relationships that people have with their parents and if they're lucky enough to be parents with their children about the music that they listen to and the relationships that are developed and exist based on your habits of listening to music together or not. So, Because I know like usually we start the show off with Jay has two daughters, and one of them particularly is a younger daughter named Jelena, and Jay tends, every week Jay speaks about, what's that What's that particular artist that she's been listening to this week, and that Jay as the um, supportive father has been taking note of. So who is it this week? Well, the, the, the this week, Ian, uh, her, her real name is Demetria Devon, known as Demi Lovato, and she was born in 1992. And uh, Jelena, as usual, she comes up with this artist, and she wants me to talk about this talented person. And what's different about her, this this girl can sing, dance, act, and she's a songwriter. And um, and she was on Barney and Friends also. So Barney and Friends. She was on Barney. I did not know that. Just <laughs> like Barney had a lot to do with a lot of these uh, these kids, huh? <laughs> So yes, yeah, she was. Um, she's be- she became better known for her role as uh, uh, Michi Torres in Camp Rock movies, and um, and so basically, are you she- reading her bio off Wikipedia or something? Well, no, I studied. I did a little research, and I'm I'm looking at uh, cool. some things about her because I I'm, I'm, I want to know what my daughter is is liking. You know, I think everybody should do research. The daughter says something like she likes a certain artist. Well, you don't want it to be like an X-rated or R-rated or whatever artist. So you should go and share that with your daughter. And so I've, I've never heard of Demi. So this this is the first time she mentioned this girl to me. And so therefore, I, but what I did notice, she sold, she went gold almost with her, um, with one of her albums. 
And so she sold a lot of copies, like 473,000 albums or CDs. Um, and so she, that's kind of amazing because, you know, like that's like a, a gold album. And uh, 500,000 is gold. So I'm very impressed with her. So she's, she's kind of like one of the great Disney artists, you know, because that's a lot of records, Ian. That's a lot of records. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's a promotional machine that they've got there in Disney. Yeah, she's 18 years old, she's 18, and she sings pop, rock, and R&B. And she models, she she dances, she plays guitar, she plays piano, she sings, she's an actress. My good, it's all it's like uh, it's like all that talent is in that one one uh, girl. So I'm just, I guess uh, that's why Jelena kind of likes her. She's very talented. Wow, wow. I I just remember a few years ago, because. I at one point for whatever reason I had this weird obsession with like the high school musical movies and I just remember then there was Camp Rock which was Disney's attempt to just build on to that type of the brand without creating a new franchise with it. And it was like the Jodas brothers who were just huge for those young girls at that time. Like yeah, in, like in this last decade and that it was Okay, it's like the Jonas Brothers are now introducing this new talent, and the fact is that she has had that success. I know that she's had her issues recently this year, which we made a mistake of accidentally referring to Selena Gomez as that person. But it's right. it's something just seeing these just seeing these young talents and just coming into the rooms, whether it's on the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or other ways that people get introduced to these new talents and new artists since the, since traditional radio airplay has kind of dis, disappeared and can sell so many albums in an economy where record sales have been falling. Well, that's, that's it. She's been falling, but actually... She's um she's working she's in the studio now working on her third album which is more R and B kind of like maybe inspiring from Rihanna and that kind of sound and so this should be a very very good album that she's coming out with um, and like you said the Jonas Brothers she toured with them <laughs> which is great she kind of was the warmer pack but this next album she's kind of matured she's probably only eighteen or nineteen and what's amazing is she plays. And writes all her songs. Like a lot of these other artists, you know, they always have these other producers and other writers. But this young lady is just a triple threat. She can sing, she can act, and she can write her own music. You don't find that around, you know. Usually, you know, they have all these adults telling them what to do. So I'm looking forward to uh, Lovato's album. Uh, Jimmy Lovato and, and seeing what she can do and seeing what's going to make Jelena smile and be entertained by it. Right, right. And, she, and she's, she, this album should be a more of a dance album because she's, she's kind of growing up. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, Ian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I can say I was at a movie theater this week, and I and there was just like this new, like, giant cardboard stand-up ad for Justin Bieber concert in 3D, and I'm like, wow, this life-size image, the guy, like, the, the picture, like, this, this cardboard set is, like, taller than me, and just coming full circle, just remembering how at the very beginning, when we started a few months ago on Parents, Kids, Music, how it was just funny, I always bring him up because it's funny, like, how it's, like, her interest in him just disappeared quickly and overnight. That's but he was like, but, but, that little Canadian guy. Speaking of Justin Bieber, I went into Toys R Us with Jelena the other day, and behold, the Justin Bieber doll. <laughs> I mean, it was really a doll. Justin Bieber, you could buy him. He could move his arms. He talks. He sings. Uh, it was kind of incredible. So he has his own... Um, I mean, when I was little, it was like the Evil Knievel doll. You know, we had Evil Knievel, G.I. Joe, you know, stuff like that. But uh, he's got a doll. So for those of you that really love him, um, you can pick it up. in Toys R Us as we speak. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just waiting on our first guest right now and just waiting for them to call in. But it's it's just amazing just merchandising and music. And it's like what kind of older, is there any older music that you've exposed Jolene and your and your kids and your other kids too as outside of what what they're discovering themselves. Well, um Jelena usually our family is very talented and her sister Mahal is very talented. Actually she has a new video out, uh, Mahal called I Want Your Number. So Jelena grew up watching her sister actually. And so she's she she listens to a lot of gospel. Um she loves the Disney Channel. Um and she loves kind of everything. She doesn't have any, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. As long as she, the other day she was playing on a xylophone, you know. you know. So whatever makes noise, she doesn't have a preference. Um, but I kind of, I'm teaching her now, Ian, how to read music because um, that keeps her focused and she's very interested in how to read music. And so uh, she's been learning what the lines represent and she's been learning ledger lines, which... Uh, if musicians out there would know, you know, every good boy does fine, and the, the spaces are face, F-A-C-E. So I'm teaching her those how to identify the notes, and so she can learn the piano. And so that's what I've been doing with her, and also teaching her handing exercises so she can build up her fingers. So that's basically what we're doing, because she wants to play everything. Um, uh, all of the Disney songs, she wants to learn that. So I found a book with some of the Disney songs in there. And I'm going to have her learn how to read some of the stuff so she can play it for herself. So it's just been very, very fun watching her want to do this because most kids, uh, I had one student, Ian, and that student said, oh, I'm bored, told told his mom he was bored. Um, He learned Old MacDonald, and that was his first lesson. And uh, I taught him. And he went home and said he was bored. He didn't want to play music anymore, you know. But you got to practice this stuff because most kids going to realize no matter what you do, whether it's music, whether it's ice skating, you have to practice. And that's what that's what we need to do with our kids, our children, is make sure that they practice uh, and, and, and listen, and listen to the different music that's out there because you might start off with Old McDonald, but you can end up playing uh, Box Inventions or Chopin, and that's not boring. So for Julia, oh, wow. I'm speaking of I'm speaking of music. Um, I just not to cut you off for a second. We do have our first guest ready, so um, so I'll just finish up what you're saying about Jelena, and then we can bring on a musician. Well, okay. Well, for, for Jelena, she's really hungry. She wants to learn everything, and I think Ian, she wants to put me out of work. I gotta be careful of that because you know. Oh no. <laughs> right. She keeps oh, no. asking me how to do this, how to do that, how to do this. So, yeah, that's where we're at with that. So we can go ahead and bring on our next guest. So I just thought you were going to talk a lot of that. <laughs> All right. Very cool. You're on the air. Welcome. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hello. Hey. Is this Jed? This is Jed Luckless. Thanks Excellent, for inviting Jed. me to uh, call in. Excellent. Thank you for joining us today here on Parents Kids Music. Um, my name is Ian Eisenberg, and um, I have Jay Logan also out in California here. Hey, how you doing there? Awesome. It's great to be here. Thanks again for having me. Excellent. Well, so, um, so, 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 Chad, I'd like to invite you to share with us a little bit about your musical background as a child and where it's brought you to today. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, I had a very, I had a very musical upbringing. Just to, you know, for those of you who don't know what I do today, um, I do a, uh, you know, I do an online. Uh, weekly show where I uh, I play mostly jam band type music, uh, rock and roll, Grateful Dead, a lot of Fish and and um, other types of uh, classic rock such as Beatles, Bob Dylan, and that type of stuff, as well as original music. Um, and um, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't wasn't really exposed to any of that music. So uh, you know, it's an interesting journey to see uh, see really where I am today compared to what my parents are. I mean. You know, a lot of times I think when you have sort of somebody who's a deadhead or whatever, you know, especially these days you're seeing a lot of it where the kids, you know, are getting that from their parents because the parents really were there during the Jerry era, you know, for the for the Grateful Dead and touring around and, and doing that in the 70s and really all the way through the 90s. And then now there's a whole new generation learning that from, from those people who grew up and had children. Not at all the case with me, though. 
thing. You know, my parents were not rock and rollers at all, so so um, they were they were pretty uh, you know they were pretty varied in their musical taste. One thing I'll say about my parents growing up is they were highly artistic people, very creative, so always supportive of, of the arts and the fact that I was you know a creative person and musically inclined, and a lot of other things also, painting, theater, and all sorts of, dabbled in all sorts of stuff when I was younger. Um, but musically, you know, they, they were very musical, and I remember my dad particularly, um, you know, he was a major audiophile, and he had these two massively huge speakers in the living room that, you know, at times were, were more important than I was, you know what I mean, <laughs> in terms of uh, the amount of care and attention he showed to them. But... Um, so uh, that said, you know, he liked to use them. And um, what he typically used them for was jazz. He was big into jazz, very very progressive improvisational type jazz, um, which at the time, to my ears, was very <clears throat> unmelodic <clears throat> and hard to latch on to. You know, so I was not really a fan of that. Um, but I do remember like, some other things like classical music. Um, I remember he would crank up Night on Bald Mountain, really extra loud um and that was that was always fun and a fun scary classical piece that stuck with me over the years and a lot of show tunes actually he and my mom were very into broadway um and theater they were community theater people so i grew up on a lot of west side story chorus line and that type of stuff as well so um you know really interesting varied mix and i i think what's 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 weird is that the music i play now i find is very improvisational um, and the music that I play and that I'm drawn to is both very improvisational and very dramatic and theatrical. Um, so those influences, even though at the time I didn't even think I liked the stuff, they really stuck with me over the years. Jed, uh, which, what instrument do you play? I'm sorry, yeah, I play guitar mainly. I'm a guitarist and a singer-songwriter. Um, so, you know, the act that I do uh, that I do online is, is myself, singer-songwriter, and um, I use some looping effects to... Uh, sort of create a one-man band type thing, um, and uh, really set out to you know, replicate a live concert experience as best I can for, for my viewers in terms of an improvisational live energy show. Um, I'm also in the process of putting together a band um, to actually start playing out some, some live gigs and taking some of my original music uh, on the road. So how did, you, how did you come across picking up the guitar? Did, did your dad just say, here, son, play this right now, or did you just... <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, um, you know, I think um, I think it was a little bit of product of television. Um, you know, I was very into, you know, grew up on shows like The Partridge Family, and you know, the whole notion of playing music and touring around in a bus and meeting all these different people um, and you know, playing music for them and making them happy. I think that's kind of where I first got the notion. Um, plus, as I said, I was exposed to a lot of music, but not in that way, not like, son, we want you to be a musician. And then my parents never pushed me into one thing or another. They always just said, be yourself. And if you want to be a musician or you want to be an actor or you want to be an artist, or I actually ended up going to film school, not music school, um, but they were supportive of whatever I was interested in. So, um, so I, think it was, yeah, I think it was kind of just a mutual kind of thing, like, I think I'd like to try playing guitar. Okay, that sounds good. Let's get you a teacher and get you started. So it was about seventh grade, I believe, when I started playing guitar, um, wow. which would make me like, what, 13 or 14 or something around that age. And um, got a local teacher in, uh, <clears throat> you know, in the community where I went to school and where I lived, a uh, real nice guy, Harry Egner. And, um, and uh, you know, he, he taught me um, – his method was a little interesting, and it's funny because it stuck with me over the years – the way he taught was really to find out what music I liked, have me bring it in, listen to it, would transcribe the tablature for it, teach me the tablature, and teach, teach me how to play songs that I like to play, which is interesting in light of what you were saying earlier about um, you know, playing um, you know, uh, Row, Row, Row Your Boat or whatever and getting bored, right? So there was some of that. There, there was some of that initially, but very quickly, you know, besides the uh, traditional per, uh, Smoke on the Water, which is one of the first guitar tunes everybody learns, I think, you know, I was bringing stuff in, which was music I liked and listened to at home and learning that stuff. So uh, what's interesting now is that's really the way I develop my set list and my act and my repertoire is I just find songs I like, I learn the tablature, I add them to my act, and I I play them. Well, I'm very impressed with learning tablature. For our audience out there, it's very hard... <laughs> To learn that, so you are a accomplished musician because 
I have friends they dread reading tablets here, so I'm very impressed, Dan. <laughs> I think that's uh, you learn. It sounds better than. I appreciate that, but it sounds it sounds better than it is. You know, I don't really have a musical schooling. I really view myself more as a folk artist than anything else, you know, carrying on a folk tradition. So I can read the tablature, but, you know, I'm really focusing on the chords, and a lot of the stuff I play, even when I'm covering other people, I'm rearranging it, in most cases simplifying it, um, especially some of the complex music that, I, that that's challenging for me to try and replicate. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I get by, you know, and I, but I do a lot of interpretation on my own, and I do a lot of improvisation, so I'll never really play the same song exactly the same way twice, and I like it that way, you know. Now, now when, you, when you're doing your show, so you get a lot of kids out there, these kids, are they kind of like, wow, this guy's out here and they're checking you out? Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 42, so I get kids in the sense that they're 18, you know, and 17, and I look at them and I go, okay, those are kids. So... You know, they they probably wouldn't appreciate that me calling them kids, but they are kids to me. And um, I do see a whole resurgence, especially in the scene that I'm working in, which again is that sort of post Grateful Dead jam band scene, um, of a real resurgence and appreciation for that type of music, that type of core rock and roll, American rock and roll music from the 60s and 70s, um, amongst the youth and amongst the kids. And the nice thing is when you go to the further shows now, which is the current uh, post-Grateful Dead incarnation of the surviving members, mm-hmm. if you go to those shows, you see an amazing uh, you know, um, range of ages, from literally from two years old to 82 years old. Um, and you see families, and you see kids, and you see old people. So you know, that's amazing to see the music continuing to get spread generationally. And, um, and that's really what, you know, what I'm trying to do. Because so. well, you know I don't have kids of my own. Okay. Well, I was going to let you know what's incredible is over the weekend they released on iTunes the Beatles catalog and it sold that's 2 right. million downloads from that generation, from the 60s. And that's very, you know, these kids are really digging, digging the things from the 60s and the Grateful Dead and all the groups from there, the Doors. And that's very, very, it's just astonishing. You know, they're, they're reaching back and they like it. You know, it was like in the late 90s, like how NBC over the summer had a campaign where they had these commercials for the for the reruns of their sitcoms where they said, if you haven't seen it, it's new to you. And in some ways, it's like I know that there's so many people that that have nev- that were born long after a lot of these artists passed away or stopped performing, and the fact is, it's. Like, I can say I started really listening to Pink Floyd, for example, for the first time in 1997, and that was long after they really were around, even though they were around in different carnations with or without Roger Waters. But it's just that the fact is that music is music, and good music will find an audience even long after it's been recorded and long after its, like, initial, like, I guess, marketing push or pop culture influence. Yeah, that that's that's totally true, and you know, I I get that um, a lot of times from my fans and my audience. You know, when we're talking about the Grateful Dead, which again was you know 70s, 80s, up through the 90s, um, until Jerry passed away, and you know, they they look at me and they go, "You saw Jerry?" You know, like <laughs> it's some sort of amazing you know thing, like you were at the Last Supper or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I just I just missed out on it, and I know that this summer, especially this August. I was just realizing it's like about 15 years ago I was a senior at high school. I did not care about this music, and it's like, wow, what did I miss? Uh, yeah. Well, don't. Well, I, on a quick side note, you know, if you are a Floyd fan, I encourage you to go see The Wall because I did see that and it was amazing. So, go check that out. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. So, Jed, what about your original material? Do you have CDs available for, uh, for me? And I do. I actually I have yeah. a CD that. that <laughs> Sorry, I have a um, yeah, I have a uh, I have a CD CD um that's just being finished up, so it should be out in about two weeks. I'm hoping we're gonna have a CD release party sometime in December for that, leading up to the holidays. So that you know, it's a good holiday gift, I guess. And um, so I'm really excited about that. It's it's taken a long time. It's really a, a labor of love and a home effort, you know, um, of working on it at home over a long period of time at, at sort of you know, 
um, whenever I can and uh, finally come to fruition. So very excited about that and, um, you know, hoping to play more of the original tunes going forward, like I said. And uh, did your father take you to concerts when you were a kid? Did you? Did you uh, Good question, experience? you know. Um, it was more my mom. My dad didn't do things like that, really. And actually, you know, whereas my dad was jazz and classical, you know, my mom was much more pop-oriented. So, um, you know, I remember listening to things like Michael Jackson and Donna Summer with her, you know, and um, she would take me to concerts. She took me to a few. I think she took me to Pat Benatar when I was a kid and George Thurgood and a few concerts that I'm sure she hated taking me, having to take me to. You know, I was very happy when I was old enough to go on my own, I'm sure. Did you but a few, but we didn't, you know, we didn't share the musical experiences that much in that sense. Um, you know, my dad played a little too, so we, I did have the wonderful experience of getting to play a couple times musically with my father and my brother who plays a little bit of drums. And, you know, that's another amazing feeling is just being able to create music with your parents, you know, or your family is a pretty amazing thing. Did you guys sit around a campfire or any of that good stuff or? It, well, yeah, exactly. Well, it was like a family, you know, every time we have a family reunion, we get a few people who can play, and so we drag out the old stand-up bass and the clarinet, and I bring my acoustic guitar, you know, and we get a little hoedown going up at the barn up in the Berkshires, you know. It's a great time, so. I like I like that. I like that. That's wonderful. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, now, so now what, I'm, what did you listen to? Like, who are some of your uh, influences, like Eric Clapton or, who, uh, you know? Yeah, so growing your... up, you know, yeah, I really wasn't, I really wasn't into, um, you know, I really was not into the Grateful Dead growing up for, for many years. That's more of a recent thing, and I was always much more of a fish head, and that's sort of how I got into the Dead thing from starting in, you know, the early 90s. But prior to that, growing up, I was really more, um, I started out sort of, you know, the first things I can remember listening to and having an album and putting on are probably like Thriller, you know, and, um, and then on, on a completely different spectrum, Kiss Destroyer. You know, I totally okay. remember that album, having that album and loving that album and being like, wow, rock and roll, the power of it, you know. Right. And then, um, so that led me to, into like some hard rock stuff for a little, little while in my life, like Judas Priest, ACDC, that kind of stuff. But that yeah. didn't last. and. Yeah, and then I really, I really ended up um, falling in love with progressive music, progressive rock and roll music like Yes and Genesis and Led Zeppelin and and bands like that. So and that's like, really what I. The more, you start liking the more big production rock stuff that like Yes is, I love Trevor Horn. I love those big hits and the tubes and you know that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, epic. Yeah, no, you know, that, epic music. Yeah, I like those too. Those are big, big sounds. Big sound and good musicians, yes, especially you know just top of the line musicians. Those guys, I watched a um, a making up one of their albums, man. I was just so impressed how they worked so hard. They worked at Ethnic, was at the top of the top of the cream. Um, I understand that. Um, so after you got out of that, then you just start like this this new thing that you're doing. Uh, is it kind of like that, or is it more just more folk or? This new album, see that we're gonna that's gonna come out now. Is that is it some of your childhood stuff, or is it some of the stuff from Yes, or is it some of the stuff maybe? Yeah, it's um, what, what? it's it's funny. It's mostly recent stuff on the album, um, uh, because I really feel like both on a personal level and 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 a musical level, like I've gone through some evolutions over the past couple of years and really grown into sort of grown into myself, if you will. Um, and, uh, so it's all, it's all new material for the most part. A couple of the tunes do harken back to some of my earlier acts that I was in and some bands I wrote some tunes with. Um, but they're fairly recent, hard to categorize. It's a little bit all over the map. I have, you know, as you've heard on the call, I have a ton of influences from jazz to classical to Broadway to rock to, you know, everything. So it's all over the place. There's some theatrical stuff on there. There's some, uh, I, I would say primarily, it's very heartfelt, you know. The music I tend to create, my original music, tends to be very inward-looking a lot of times and introspective. Um, and uh, so I, I would say there's a lot of soul to it. Um, musically, it's been it's been described as sort of being very sort of '70s rock influenced. So that doesn't really surprise me. Are your Are your parents proud of you? I mean, because you stuck to it. They gave you the lessons. You didn't waste their money. I mean, did they ever like pat you on the back and say, you know, you stuck to that? You know, I'm I'm very very happy that you did that. Do they ever give you those type of uh, compliments? Uh, oh yeah, I have fantastic. I have fantastic parents. I love them to death. 
you know, they, they absolutely were supportive in whatever, I, and still are to this day, in whatever I want to do and however I want to do it. Um, and uh, so I get that all the time from them, yeah. And it's usually, it doesn't have to be said. Usually it's me, like, for example, I just booked a, uh, I booked a, a, a live gig on the boardwalk in Rye Playland, which is where I went to school and really where I grew up, if I, if I had to choose a hometown. We moved around a little bit, but... And I got a gig on the boardwalk there, and it was a big deal for me. And they actually drove down, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes from where they live to come to the show, to the 20-minute set that I was playing on the boardwalk, you know. And so to be playing a song and look up and see my dad crying, you know, that just says it all. I, he doesn't even need oh. to say how proud he is of me, you know. So That, <laughs> so I, that is beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's mean, a nice thing. We're considering that I have such memories. Um, I grew up in up in Westchester myself, like just flying kites in March with my father and my sister on that very beach, like right after there, like right where those scenes in Big were shot. Yeah, that's exactly the feeling I had. I was there with my mom and dad, and my mom had brought me there for years to Rye Beach there, you know, as a little kid. So it was this very sentimental thing, and this was just this past fall. It was it was really exciting. So, Absolutely. All right. All right, Jed, um, so we have our next guest on in the queue. So um, any final thoughts joining us yeah. here today? Yeah, I think just, you know, music's a great thing, and I encourage everybody to to share it um, with friends and family. Um, you know, that what we try to do on my show, and I encourage people to come join us, is, uh, is just to create an environment of, you know, fun, loving, happy people who can uh, – get together weekly and then have a good time. So I encourage that amongst friends and, and especially amongst parents and kids and, and family. I think it's really healthy and I think, you know, I'd like to think that I'm a good example of that type of, uh, you know, support and um, encouragement of creativity and music. And I want to thank you guys um, for having me on the show. It's been really fun. And come by and check out my show Wednesdays on uh, Jed Luckless TV and look for my CD on JedLuckless.com coming out in a couple of weeks. Excellent, well, Jed. Jed I, thank you for joining us. And Jed, I'd like to say to you, you're going to have a lot of luck, luckless. You're going to have way more luck than, than that because you sound like a great musician. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the more name luck than the luckless show. name. <laughs> right. I like that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, have a great holiday season, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Jed. Thank you very much. Bye bye. All right, bye. All right, Jay. I'm we're going now from one different kind of creator of music to a different one. Okay. So here we go. Our next guest. Hello, you're on the air with us. Hi. Hello, Hello everyone. <laughs> Excellent. This is Hello. Ian Eisberg here in New York and Jay Logan out in California. How about you introduce yourself to us? Um, my name is Sharon Apostolou, and I am an opera singer living in New York right now. Absolutely welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Wow, so this is wonderful. So so I'm looking at you, I'm seeing that you you are a wonderful soprano. I I am a I am a I am a lyric soprano, yeah. It's been, it's it's been a little bit of a crazy year, but it's 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 nice to be back in New York. Wow, so this is great. You can share a lot. I mean, I, I, I just want to hear what you have to say because uh, as a kid, I'm, I'm in awe. Ian, I just want to hear what she has to say. I'm excited about her because she's a singer, and I just want to know about your parents and how did you become a soprano? How did you get into opera? I got so many questions. So you can just start wherever you want to. All right. Um, I grew up in, like, suburban New Jersey, like, less Jersey Shore and more Real Housewives. Like, Real Housewives meet Sopranos. I grew up in northern New Jersey, as so many wonderful people do. And uh, my parents are immigrants, actually. Like, um, both of my parents were born in Greece. My mom came to this country when she was 13 with kind of her entire family. My dad came to the U.S. when he was 26 by himself. Actually, he did some tours in the Navy. And um, I grew up in a big, fat Greek household. Um, so my, uh, my earliest memories of music, a lot of it is Greek folk music being blasted over speakers on Saturday mornings while my mom cooked and my dad played in the garden. And so I, um, 
there was always lots of music being played in the house. My mother, I remember playing with my mother's record player, and my mom was really, really into Motown. I think she still is quite a bit. <laughs> and um, I have a brother who's eight years older than I am that used to play guitar. And I uh, just, we were a really musical family, although I was the only one really that pursued it as a career. And I, my parents always, you know, pushed me and my brother to do whatever we wanted, whatever we sort of had a passion for, and mine was definitely music. And so I took clarinet lessons when I was a kid, and I, I was involved in ballet classes and all that stuff, and we did a lot of choirs, and I loved singing. I always got to kick out of it. And then I started getting solos, just sort of, I would audition because everybody would, and I would. I started getting them, and I got into all state choir, and it was just sort of fun. And I, my high school used to go to the dress rehearsals at the Met, and they would just they would throw us all in one of those little buses, everyone that was involved in the music program, and we go to the final dress rehearsals. And I completely fell in love. I, it was the it was just big and grandiose, and I just thought it was like the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I had seen a lot of musicals. My parents they tried to kind of give us a lot of culture, and and I I was like I'm done. Opera is amazing. I still love musicals. I still listen to them all the time. But wow. yeah, and then I uh, my father knew someone that took voice lessons and. He introduced me to her. I was 15 at the time, and she thought, you know, with some training I could maybe do it. And then it all sort of, I just keep kind of doing things sort of like in the hopes that something might happen, and it just keeps, the ball keeps rolling. (laughs) I went to college and majored in music and in vocal performance, which was nothing like I was expecting it to be. It was a lot of theory and piano and history, and it was extremely difficult and then got my master's and just been auditioning and working and yeah, so it's, it's sort of how that that all that whole thing started. But do, do, do your parents sing also, Sharon? Do they do they sing also? My my okay. mother did in choirs when she was a kid. My father cannot is completely tone deaf. He can't actually match pitch. Like if he played a pitch on a piano, or on a guitar, he couldn't physically replicate it with his voice. Wow. That's, yeah, well, it's kind of funny. <laughs> did you did you learn how to sight read from your your um, teacher there? Um, how did that work out? Uh, did they teach you how to just uh, sight read, or you just you doing it naturally, or? Um, you kind of I I had played the clarinet, so I sort of understood the basics of it. And uh, the more kind of instruments you play, and the more you're around music, you pick up more than you think you do. Okay. Um, But being in choir actually was the big thing that taught me how to sight read because um, I sing quite high now, but I didn't for a long time. I sang alto and second soprano in choir a lot, and that involves a lot of harmonies. And so Mm -hmm. you just sort of see the progressions coming. You know, like, oh, okay. But once I went to college, it was a whole other level, like I had never experienced. And it was hard. My first semester in college was I wasn't expecting it. And there were kids that had, you know, taken piano lessons since they were four or came from families where mom played the violin, and they it, it was just a completely different level. They had a head start. So <laughs> yeah, I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I felt like I was playing catch-up during college, but, yeah, you make do. At some point, did you, did you develop perfect pitch in there to where when you see a C, a C you know concert C no matter what? How did you, did you, did I, you pick that up? Or I wish. Um, I have pretty good <laughs> relative pitch. Uh-huh. There are people that are born with perfect pitch. Okay. Um, I actually went to a girl in my class had it when I was in college, and it was something that we just envied. And she, she actually had an inner ear. She was born with something wrong with her inner ear, so it actually always buzzed a pitch. And once oh, she no. figured out what it was, she was able to go with it and could pick any pitch out of thin air. Now, with the, I, I've studied so much music that I can sort of, you sort of can feel what where your pitches are in your throat. Mm-hmm. And so if I look at that and I can sort of apply it to something that I know, I'm usually within a half step. But that's, that's after 10 years 
more than 10 years of training. Wow. So t- tell us about some of the operas that you've sung at and some of the stuff you've done recently that you're doing so we can know the wonderful stuff you're doing. Um, I just, I made my Avery Fisher Hall debut last Friday doing um, this sort of, this um, obscure Handel piece called Alexander's Feast based on one of the uh, forays of Alexander the Great and wow. the Mozart Requiem, which is a very well-known piece. Most people, if you were to hear parts of it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's from that commercial or from that movie. Or, um, so that was really exciting. And uh, the funny side note of that is I was sitting on the stage of Avery Fisher Hall, which is in Lincoln Center in New York, and mm-hmm. the chorus behind me is singing the Dies which I had sung when I was 14 in Allstate Chorus. And I had, had oh. this, I got this moment of like, oh, my God, you know, 14 years later, I'm 28 yeah. years old, sitting on the, the lip of the stage of Avery Fisher Hall, and it's the same music, and it's, you know, it's <laughs> these dreams that I had dreamt when I was a little kid are slowly starting to happen, and I nearly started to cry right then and there, and I had to pull it together so I didn't look like, you know, a complete lunatic bursting into tears in the middle of a dress rehearsal. Well, that, but, yeah, that, so that, that, that's amazing, because you, here you yeah, are, yeah, yeah. At 14, and then now you're up there. That's got to be mm-hmm. that's got to blow your mind. I understand that because um I've um I've worked on several uh, major projects, and to have a hit record, you know, I always thought when I was a kid, oh, I want to have a hit record. Well, I never thought that when I grew up, I would actually have platinum albums. So I understand exactly. how it feels. It's like wow, so you know that's great. I I, I want to get some advice from you. I have a a niece, and her name is Melissa. She's trying to go to a school on you guys' side of the world in. She's a young opera singer. She's She's been in a kid's program at UC Berkeley here out on the West Coast, but she's looking for a school over there, whether it's Berkeley, really conservatory. Would you have a suggestion for her? She's like, she's like 17, 18 now, and she's out in New York today looking for a school. She, and she oh, loves no kidding. Um, yeah. And I would love I, her to my, su- my suggestion to her, which is, I think, advice that I wish I had gotten when I was younger, Um it's not so much where you go to school, it's who do you study with. Okay. Um, you could go to, like, Cal Poop University in the middle of nowhere, but if you have a good teacher and she'll teach you how to sing in, like, a healthy way and give you the tools that you need, you will be leaps and bounds ahead of people that go to big-name schools that don't get that. Okay. So. I I I went to Carnegie Mellon. Bec- I went to Carnegie Mellon for my undergrad, and I I set foot on that campus, fell in love with it, and I was like, I'm going there, done. Like I'm going to do everything in my power to go there, and it was. I loved my education. I got there. It was really good. It was hard, and it pushed me academically. It pushed me musically. I I got to meet a lot of different kinds of people, which I wouldn't have had I gone to a conservatory. Like one of my roommates was a computer science major and is still my one of my best friends in the world, and that was something that I needed, be just for me that I needed to be around other people. I joined a sorority. I had like a full college experience, and looking back on it, I'm really glad I did because I, because music becomes your life, but it is at the end of the day a job, and. I needed to have that separation at times. So I could go to my sorority house and sit and watch Sex in the City with a bunch of girls and eat cupcakes and not have to think about Mozart. Or it, it was it was something that I needed. Um, but yeah, my advice to her it's more it's always about the teacher and to take lessons with different teachers and to see which ones click because a teacher can work for you that won't work for somebody else. I. And it's just about the relationship you have. Right. Yeah, I can. Yeah, so I can also give. If she wants to ask me specific questions, I'll leave my my email address with y'all, and she can. That'd be wonderful. It's a hard process, and with college, and especially going trying to do music, it's a, there's so many music programs, and they're all so different. It kind of mm-hmm. depends what she needs to improve upon, or what she. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of different factors. So, yeah. So how many so how many hours should you sing a day? You know, if you're gonna take care of your voice and you're opera singer such as yourself, 
what what is when, you, when the fatigue sets in and to take care of your voice, how many hours should a young person, if they want to follow your footsteps, should sing a day? Because you have to talk, um, you have to speak, and you got to you know you got dust stuff with your voice other than singing. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not like a piano you can like leave in a room or a violin you can you know stick under a bed. And right. you carry your voice with you, like when you go to a bar. It's, it goes with you everywhere you go. So, um, on a, we actually have a union. Singers do the American Guild of Musical Artists. It's a union for um, dance, some forms of dance as well. And the union states that we can only be rehearsed for six hours a day. Okay. Which is great. On a normal day, I'll sing two or three hours if I'm preparing for something. A lot of times it's not full out. Opera singing, we like to compare it to um, professional sports. It's the same sort of thing. Like you train for a certain amount of hours a day and you practice. But a lot of – you don't want to tire your instrument out. So practicing for eight hours isn't going to do anything. It's better to have a plan. And it's like, I want to work on X, Y, and Z today and focus on that for an hour or 90 minutes than to just sort of like, I'm going to practice and have it be the sort of vague loop. And you don't, cause you don't really end up accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Maybe it's just me and I have a bad habit of sort of my mind wandering off and doing other things. <laughs> but I, I work what, best what? with the plan and I, I don't like to... Um, I don't like to sing more than two or three hours a day. It's just, it's exhausting on your body. It's exhausting mentally. But yeah, like last week when I was I was in rehearsal for this concert on Friday. I also had auditions because it's the season. Lots of companies come to New York around this time of year, and so I would have five hours of rehearsal. Granted, I wasn't singing every single second, but and then have an audition in the afternoon. It's, it's, but you're tired when it's done, so. What about if you, if, you, if, Sharon, if you start off like a seven-year-old or eight-year-old? You know, they got they're still developing their voice, and, the, and you know, how how much how much emphasis should you put on that time? An hour, or if you was teaching a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, what would you what would you recommend for a kid? I'd probably um, say about an hour. Little kids bounce back, you know, and you see a little kid fall, and you think they probably broke something, and they. They bounce back up and keep running. Their bodies and their voices are like that, too. So that's why they can scream and yell for hours and not get hoarse. Um, okay. But, what, yeah, with a, with a young voice like that, there's usually no need to sing more than about an hour a day, Okay, I'd say. Do, do, you, do you have any kids yet that you that, – uh, or you, are you, you have any kids that you're teaching how to sing or kids of your own? Or? No. I actually um, have never taught. It's something that I'm kind of interested in. I um, have been very fortunate that I have not needed to to okay. um, supplement my income. I have a lot okay. of friends that teach and love it, and a lot of people that I know that are performers that teach on the side actually say that it helps them with a lot of their things as well. Having to fix other people's problems makes you sort of reevaluate yourself. Uh-huh. Okay. So a lot of them love teaching while they're performing for that exact reason. So with, with, um, but I still take lessons every week as well. Right. You never you never stop learning. We never stop learning. What's your no, most difficult the, beat? What's your most difficult beat? Uh, that you think that's hard. hard. It's hard. Um, well, give me a, give me give me three different ones. That's, there, there you go. That are really hard. Um. As far as, as range-wise, as far as where you have to go all the way down to your lower register, and you have to just take uh-huh. it, it just takes it your your breath away. <laughs> I I actually did. Um, I understudied the title role for Verdi's La Traviata, the Violetta, and and it was definitely the hardest thing I had ever done. We did a we did a cover run of it, so we ran the whole show with the cover cast and. I was exhausted when it was done. It's I underestimated it and how hard it would be because she sings a lot and it's it's I mean the range goes from if I remember correctly like low C up until high E flats and it's that was definitely one of the hardest things I have ever sung. Um, a lot of times in opera you you try not to sing the really really hard things because it's usually better suited for other people. 
Okay. Most of the time we try to stick to stuff that's on the easier side. Um, I sing a lot of earlier music, like Bach and Handel, and that can be really difficult. The piece that I sang last Friday was actually very difficult because of it. It's very florid. There's lots of little moving notes, and that can get very tiring. Mm-hmm. And it usually sits pretty high and goes really low, and because it's written as if your voice is an instrument, like it, as if it were a flute. Right. So that can get really exhausting. Okay, so like you you sing like on Bach Toccata. And you sing some of that kind of stuff, or that's kind of simple? Yeah, of no, that's exactly it. I sing like um, Bach cantatas and um, things like that. Yeah, that's oh. Bach toccata and fugue. If you can, da 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 da. His his vocal music is kind of similar to that too. Does that count? Okay, so you sort of look you at it. You're like, oh god. Six hours of singing of practice a day. Say that again. Did, did those few notes count in your union-mandated six hours of practice a day? <laughs> I'm taking today and tomorrow off and enjoying Thanksgiving. I'm not looking at music. I'm not singing anything. <laughs> I'm giving myself a weekend. Do, do you do any Beethoven, um, Beethoven stuff, um, like Symphony Number no. 5 or any of that kind of stuff, too, also? Um, I have sung... I sung in the chorus of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony more than once. It's one of my favorite pieces okay. of music. Because it's just fun. Like the Ode to Joy, I mean, you just you just wail your face off. Yeah. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, he wrote one opera, Fidelio, which he actually rewrote a bunch of times, and I um, was involved in a production of it, which is fun. But, yeah, Beethoven's music is awesome, and it's just fun to sing. That's why people program it all the time, because people love to hear it, people love to sing it. It's just great music. I just want to ask you, what about the Nutcracker? Because we're we coming into Christmas. I know you got a lot of work coming. Do you do that? And do you do stuff like that? Um, no. Um, there's no, nothing okay. to singing in the Nutcracker. I remember seeing it when I was a kid because I was obsessed with ballet. I actually, um, Messiah is a big vocal thing with, like, the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh-huh. Um, I'm doing, yeah, I'm actually performing. They have a big sing-along Messiah at Avery Fisher Hall, and I'm doing the soprano solos for that. Um on wow. December 21st, if anyone's in town, you can bring your yeah. score and sing along with all the choruses. And it's apparently a big old party, so it should be fun. I am so glad we had you on this show. You've been wonderful. You're full of jubile. And Thank everything. you. <laughs> Excellent. It's great. It, it, it definitely brings a different level to what we've had today. I know that you were listening also. You called in early as we were finishing mm-hmm. our first guest, Jed Luckless. Going from a musician to a singer and really just, like, going through just very minute and just, like, the training and the preparation and just, and just like, being able to just maximize the ability of your voice for, to, to get specific notes and to just yeah. create music in that way. It's, it's definitely something, Clarify, we're glad that you were able to share it with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. So, Jay, what a show we've had today. Wow. I'm just feel like I've been to school or something. This is great. Uh, Like going (laughs) really through two real, very different musical styles, different upbringings, just relationship of... I mean, we started out with Jed, where he he grew up with one musical background and became a musician in his own unique way with his online performances and going through things. And then you got Sharon, who just a child of of immigrants and just a very different, unique background. It's just. Amazing, just the relationships that family have in just building who you are, and as you always say, with your musical health. Well, they, these these two guests definitely have they have scored an A, both of them. And what intrigued me about Jed Ian was the fact that his family were in the barn. They talk about the barn, and they had their musical concert event every now and then, and they would all get together and bring out the clarinet, the big bass, the guitar. And that's what it's about, you know, having a musical health in your family. As you see, when you do that, 
it made it makes everybody a better person. You know, music it heals. And I was very intrigued listening to him and how his family supported him on the music lessons. He took him to a, a music instructor, guitar instructor, and taught him tablature. That's what we're talking about on this show. The kids, the family, the parents, how they work together to keep that musical health alive. And that's absolutely and and Sharon is she's just I mean, you could just tell that she loves it. And she like she said, she was when she was 14, she was looking at the stage, and the next thing she knew, she was grown up, and she was the main attraction. How about that, you know? How about that? What? What? That's almost like being a quarterback for high school, and all of a sudden you play for the New York Giants, and you watch, and you've been watching, been watching Phil Simms all your life, or you've been watching Eli, and now you're the quarterback. So that's what musical health's about, you know, having a dream and sticking to it. And practicing. That's what I'm talking about with Jelena, you know. I'm going I'm to teach her how to read, and, and she's going to have a great musical health. <laughs> Absolutely. And she gets to be a – she could be an opera singer. She could be a rock star. She could do something completely outside of music that – and and when you yeah. have a relationship – when you have a relationship with your parents and you're just in tune to what they're listening to, even if it's not necessarily your musical style, that you can really just be in contribution to your child's life. Wow, right. I'm like and looking at, to... yeah. Yeah, they don't even have to be professional musicians. They can still be lawyers and doctors and anything, but they'll have that music side of them that will make them have more compassion in life. And that's and they can take a shower. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in the car with the with the radio all loud. And it doesn't and right. it doesn't matter where that music comes from, it just matters that music has been around for a long time. Someone I mean the fact that it's just amazing how this one like Italian standard of these clefts and just this and just the language of it and how even people who understand sheet music, people who don't, that it's a way that's been recorded. And I'm not even talking about, like, audio recording, but just the whole concept, conceptual, just the concept of what is music. It's it's amazing that music is amazing. I'll, I'll just say it just like that. That's what it is. Music is definitely amazing. And in this digital age, we have so many options, how you can make it. You can play it, you can record it, you can sing it, you can digitize it, you can paste it, you can glue it. So just because you don't play an instrument, they have certain programs and things that will help you make music. And so or you can pretend to make that. music with a video game like Guitar Hero or Rock Band. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or, or Garage. Uh, you, know, um, uh, you can use that, uh, one of the programs from Apple, Garage Band. Yes. That's that's definitely a fun program and just really being musical. And here's an idea, a collaboration between Jed and Sharon. (laughs) Like adding like adding like opera to really some of I know that, for example, Trey Anastasia from Fish has at times created and has released, like, orchestral pieces. Some of them were based on Fish songs, some were not. Give an orchestra, but bringing opera, like, into, like, a... I wonder if that exists. If any of you listeners are out there, you can just feel free to get in touch with us about that. But that is just... Such amazing stuff. So, Jay, it's been a great day. Any final thoughts from you as we as we wrap up our show? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, everything is a vibe, and music is a vibe. And here on Parents, Kids, and Music, we like to have a happy vibe. And if you notice, all notes have vibes and vibrations. So we want to just send it out to keep a happy vibe and come back and listen to our show so we can keep this vibe alive. And that's what I'm sending out to our audience today. Excellent. Thank you, Jay. Once again, I would like to thank I'm Jed Luckless and I'm Sharon Apostolo for joining us today on Parents Kids Music and and we'll hear you next time.
Thank you, and have a good night. Thank you.